0: Good morning. We'll just give you a couple minutes to find your spots. Do I need to use my teacher voice, Pearl? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome here. The Spirit of God invites us all to worship the Creator at this time and in our places, which dwell on Treaty 1 territory, the ancestral lands of the Métis Nation, the Dakota, the Cree, Ojibwe, Dene, Fodenishane, and Anishinaabe. It is good to be gathered here together. We'll open our service this morning with a few announcements in the life of the congregation. Uh, Next week is the deadline. So you mean this coming week, Kyle? Next Sunday is the deadline for church camp, which is happening March 10 to 12, all are welcome. And that's at Campus Inaboya. So one more week if you're still thinking about it. There will be a seniors coffee on Thursday at 2.30, And also, uh, please check the back of your bulletin for some information about Ash Wednesday services as we start the Lent season. I'm going to call up Chris Gertzen and followed by him, Curtis Penner, for some announcements.
1: Good morning. Uh, it's great to see you all here this morning. Uh, we're coming up to the one-year anniversary of the start of the war in Ukraine, and uh, it's on, the, on many of our minds on, for various reasons, whether it's historic reasons, whether it's uh, reasons, obviously, that we care a lot about the people who are being affected, uh, and uh, so I wanted to give you just a brief update about uh, uh, the couple things that are going on uh, and continue to go on in our community uh, for the people of Ukraine. So I'm going to wear two quick hats and, and I'll take them off. So the first, of, first one is uh, I'm one of the directors of the Mennonite Center in Ukraine. And so just to give you a brief update of what's happening in Ukraine itself, and that is the war continues, uh, the front line doesn't move much as you see in, in, the, in the news. Uh, But the work of the Mennonite Center continues. The uh, the head office has moved from occupied Molenshansk, which is Holbstadt, uh, to the community of, uh, well, on the island of Gortitz, right virtually in the city of Zaporozhye. We all hear those words in the news, and so it's all very present in in the work that we do. But we continue to uh, provide much aid to the displaced people of Ukraine in Ukraine. And we just want to say thank you to all of you uh, who have contributed, who who have cared, who have prayed, uh, and have this on your mind. Uh, We also have displaced people that have made their way all the way to North America and here in Steinbach. And so uh, the task force uh, for uh, the settlement of Ukrainian people here in Steinbach has been active in trying to coordinate uh, the many people and many organizations that want to do good and want to help uh, people who have been displaced by the, by the war. And to give you an update of what we are doing, uh, we have uh, so many, uh, whether it's uh, helping hands, whether it's uh, the Southland Distribution Center, whether it's uh, individuals, so many actions taking place uh, to assist, we have approximately—we've we, kind of lost count—but we have approximately 90 to 100 families here in Steinbach uh, from Ukraine that have settled in. Some of them are single moms with children. Some of them are complete families that have that have uh, that have uh, uh, all of them have made their way, uh, but many of them do need assistance. And what's so good about what's happening is that. Now that there's so many of them, they're starting to help themselves uh, move forward, but it still requires uh, a lot of community effort. And so we've seen uh, we see a number of things going on. I want you to make be aware of a few things. Number one, furniture is always a big thing. Uh, they need to fill their apartments, and they need to. Uh, have, have a bed to sleep on. And so, the with partnering with the Southland Distribution Centre, it's been excellent. They've been very good at setting people up, but they're short of furniture. And so, if you do have spare furniture, uh, one piece, five pieces, ten pieces, the 21st of February, which is Tuesday, the March, uh, March 7th, and March 21st are the drop-off dates for that. And that is at the distribution centre in behind Um, uh, the Southland Church. So uh, please if you do have things feel free to contribute or monetarily that also is of assistance. But there are more than just organizations there are individuals and people who make such a difference and they're they're hosting people, they're feeding people, they're volunteering to drive, they're volunteering to bring people food and that's been excellent and Kurt is one of them, and so I'm going to call up Kurt, and he has a, a, a specific ask, and he wants to tell his story just briefly.
2: Good morning. My name is Curtis Penner, better known as Patty's husband, uh, type C analytical introverts, make the worst public speakers, and we also make the, worst, the world's worst salespeople. We're more prone to pointing out faults in a product than we are focusing on its merits. And besides, most of us don't golf, but I've discovered a product which I've really come to believe in, a product in which I cannot find a single fault and that product is human kindness. Human kindness has no downsides. It promotes positivity, spreads love and grace, brings joy, and changes lives. It literally creates a better, more tolerable world. Thanks to Chris Gertsen and Southeast Immigration Services, our city has been blessed to become a destination for many Ukrainian families. But I want to make a case for becoming directly involved with uh, Ukrainian families. Um, mostly these people come with nothing, no English, no recognition of their hard-earned Ukrainian credentials no furniture, no car, and in most cases, little or no money. After they've been here a few weeks, our federal government provides them with a one-time financial assistance and from there on leaves them to fend entirely on their own. Our provincial government gives them room and board for the first month, after which they must fend for themselves. Consequently, these families are literally forced to become completely reliant on grassroots Canadians, on people who are complete strangers to them. There are many Ukrainian families coming to our community, as Chris pointed out, many who desperately need help. Unfortunately, we cannot help them all, but maybe we can help a few. There are many ways you and or a group of your friends can get involved in extending kindness And helping these dear families transition into their new life. Perhaps the most important need is contact. They need friendships, they need relationships and connection. Second comes helping them settle into an apartment, donating furniture and household goods, helping to move the furniture, providing rides to appointments and grocery stores, English classes, etc. And helping them look for work and help them, helping them navigate uh, Canadian systems. And of course, financial assistance is also badly needed in many cases, at least until they are able to get on their own feet. So if you or... A group of your friends would like to become involved in helping a Ukrainian family transition to Steinbach. Please contact me. And uh, there's a family arriving on Friday, uh, they're arriving in Winnipeg, who would uh, really love to move to Steinbeck. And they could use help. I know it sounds daunting, but it's amazing how, as Dennis pointed out last Sunday, Uh, When we offer up our two loaves and five, or two fish and five loaves, God is able to uh, turn it into abundance. If you are intrigued by the idea of becoming involved, please contact me for further information. Uh, My contact information is in the bulletin this morning. Thank you so much for your time.
3: Good morning. Why don't you stand with us for our gathering song? It's number six in our hymn books, Let's Walk Together.
4: Let's walk together
0: to worship together. It'll be up on the screen. So please join me in the lines that are indicated for the people. As a shepherd seeks a lost sheep,
4: so God seeks and saves the lost.
0: like a woman who searches for a lost coin until it is found, so God as a father receives a returning wayward son so god welcomes us and lets the past be the past therefore let us praise god in thanksgiving that we are received let us receive.
3: Okay, join us in uh, hymn number 98 in your hymn books, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise.
0: Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seeds in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and went away. When the reeds sprouted and formed heads, the, weed, the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came and said, sir, didn't you plant good seeds in your field? Where then did all the weeds come from? An
4: enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked, do you want us to go pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling them up, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow
3: together till the harvest. At that time, I'll tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and tie them and bring it into my barn.
0: Then he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a farmer took and planted in his field. Though so it is the smallest of all farmer's seeds, yet when it grows it is the largest of all garden plants
3: and becomes a tree so that the birds of air can come perch in its branches.
4: He told them another parable The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, that a woman took and mixed it into a large amount of flour till it worked all through the dough. Jesus
3: spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable.
5: Uh. and uh, I'll even say if they can do it you might be able to so um, anyone who would ever like to start doing some of that in worship we would be really thrilled to have you doing it too because I think it gives us scripture in a whole different way so it's great um, before the children come up, I'm going to say it now so I don't forget, um, the middle school children, young people, are going to be going to James Barkman's for breakfast after worship, or as they leave now. So um, for, if you want to meet Kyle, parents back there just to know where James lives, if you're picking up your, your um, children later on, you can go back there and talk with him and he'll give you all the instructions that's happening for the morning. After the children's story, I will have the children's story, and then after that, Kyle will be back there if you want to ask him any questions. So children, why don't you come up now? Nope, not over there. We're going to be over here today, everybody. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Well, um, first I have a question, okay? Are you big or are you small? Some think you're big. Is anybody here small? Yes. Me big. You're big? Peter, you're big? Look
4: how big I am. You're big? Um, Look how big I am.
5: You're big too, Leo. Does anybody? Peter, you're big, really big. Does anybody want to be small? Nobody wants to be small. Willa, you don't mind being small? Maybe because your dad's big, but your mom's small. Maybe that's why, yeah.
4: I am somebody.
5: Well, hey, you know what? Very interesting. Today, in what we just heard, there was a story told by Jesus. And you know what he said? He said, small things are really, really good. Do we ever think that that it's good to be small? We do. I'm well, small. Now we're small. <laughs> if it's good to be small, we're small. Well, you know what? Because, for example,
2: you're, you're taller than me.
5: Yes, I am. Um, one of the parables that Jesus told had to do with bread. Now, something goes into bread. It's called yeast, and it helps the loaf to rise. Have you ever heard of yeast? If you take a look here, you want to see this. See how big those little yeasts are? Are they big or are they small? They're, small? They're very small. Yeah. You know what? But what happens if you take a whole bunch of dough and you put in a whole bunch of these yeasts? If you've watched your mum or your dad or someone baking, what happens? Yes, Willa. It, it, it
3: starts out as
5: this small ball, and it would just grow and expand. It. it grows. So suddenly, you put. If you wouldn't put that those little bitty pizzas of yeast in there, it wouldn't grow. But as it puts it in there, the loaf starts to rise, it's called. Now, here's something else. I'm going to look at this. Okay, we're going to look at these. Anybody want to take a look at these? You want to see how big those are? Take a look at those. Are they big or are they small? small. Tiny. Very tiny, very tiny. Yeah, in fact, irritatingly tiny sometimes when you're trying to plant them. I'm going to talk about that with the sermon. But what do you think these are? These small things? Seeds, right? Lucia, what kind of seeds? Um, Lewis. What's that? Mustard seeds. That was in the parable. You were listening, but these aren't mustard seeds, but they're small. Yes, Mabel? Not sunflower seeds. Anybody else want to guess? Willow? Not flower seeds. Nope. I don't want to guess. You know what? Nobody was looking behind me. What's this? Oh, It's a carrot. That's a honking big carrot. You know what? This haunting big carrot grew from that very tiny seed. One seed, not even a bunch. One of those little seeds became this big carrot. Carrot seeds. Carrot seeds, yep. Yeah. You know what? Don't ever think that being little or doing little things don't matter. Some people think it has to be Big. Actually, little things matter. I'm going to try and think of one thing that a little, little thing might matter. So, for example, let's say, how many of you go to school or even, let's say, just play with friends? How many of you? All of you. Okay.
4: Not all. Oh, I don't
5: go to school. Okay. So, if you have someone in your classroom or in your whole big group of friends who, who nobody's playing with. He's in my Okay, nobody's playing with. What do you think? Yes, you do, Peter. What's the best thing to do? Anybody have an idea? Yes. Play with them. Now, do you have to go in front of the whole class and yell and scream, everybody, we have to play with them? Is that the best way to do something? Something big? No. You just go yourself and do it. And suddenly, maybe somebody else does. And somebody else does. And and suddenly, They're surrounded by friends playing with them. Don't ever think that little, small things don't matter. You matter. Now we're going to do the final thing before we get you to go. Who would like to get up and yell? Okay, Mac, you stand up. Okay, yell real loud. Okay. That's kind of big. Okay, now I want all of you to stand up. Okay, now you all yell together. That's a lot bigger. Little things all together make a big. Now we're going to pray, and then you're all going to go to Children's Church where you won't yell with your teachers, okay? I don't yell with... I know you don't, William. Let's pray, okay? Lord, we are thankful that you came to us as a small baby. Small things matter, and you have shown us in so many ways. Help us when we are small to know that many small things make big. All the invisible things become visible. You grow what you want to have happen with us and around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, where you go, everybody. Have a fun time, William.
0: We're going to pray the breath prayer together again this morning. So get comfortable, and if you are comfortable with it, you're welcome to close your eyes. And we'll begin praying in silence, simply sitting in silence in the presence of God and thinking about God. Now take a moment to consider your life, that which is taking your thoughts, attention, energy in these days. Now address God, and with the name you usually do, and name your desire for what you need most, given what you've thought about. It could be finding joy, peace, patience, determination. It could be losing anger, impatience, bitterness, selfishness. With those in mind, breathe in and breathe out. As you breathe in, ask God to give you what you need. As you breathe out, ask God to help you release what you need to lose. Lord, thank you that you work in us, giving us what we need for life and living in Christ. Amen.
3: This next song with beautiful words is probably unfamiliar to most of you, so we will sing it for you. We'll sing one verse for you, um, and then feel free to join us as we sing all three verses after that. It's called On Silk and Soft Wings, number 676.
5: are becoming good and talkative. Even Peter. I'm impressed. (laughs) Um... I should have, if I'd have been thinking well ahead this morning, um, more clarity, I would have had uh, Curtis and and Chris sharing maybe after my sermon, um, because in some sense what they're talking about is all the little things that are not noticed about people doing this or that or bringing many things, and it's not even mentioned or seen, um, but it creates something wonderful as people are cared for in our community, and so uh, that would have fit really well. And I will add that I think even Ash Wednesday, uh, this Wednesday, most of you probably have not been to an Ash Wednesday service, um, but um, you'll see it in the bulletin. What we're doing this year are three times early in the morning, if you want to come before work, noon if you want to take a noon break, or in the evening it could be as well. And we come, and it's just a simple 20 minutes of some prayer, some reflection, and music, and a time of um, recognizing our own mortality and weakness, which is what we're recognizing when we care for people. We're recognizing weakness and need, and we're helping to um, to make something good come from all that we can do together to meet that and so i think ash wednesday helps us to dig into ourselves and see our own weakness and mortality which then hopefully sends us out into the world to live in ways that god would hope to in all that um, is needed around us so ash wednesday and uh the ukrainian refugee message today was um it all fits together maybe a little bit with what we're talking about this morning which is, um, as Jesus had finished, as Zach said, Jesus did not say anything that was not said with parables, and so was it fulfilled what was said through the prophet, that I will open my mouth in parables, and utter things hidden since the creation of the world. After that, Jesus went, um, left the crowd and, and went into the house, and the disciples came and said to him, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. So Jesus said to him them, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. And the wheat, the good seeds, they are the people of the kingdom. The weeds, they are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. Just as the weeds at harvest are pulled and thrown into the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels into his kingdom to weed out all that causes sin and all those who do it. They will be thrown into the blazing fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will sign like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. For those of you who do garden, you didn't see the carrot seeds up here this morning, but you've seen and planted carrots. Their size makes planting difficult. It's tempting just to sprinkle them in because it's so difficult to do, thinning them out later in the spring or early summer if they're bunched too closely because they fell into little spaces. But though planting our, through planting our grace garden, reason, um reason. I've noticed that Marilyn she takes the time to plant them one by one by one and so I've learned from her and it sure makes the uh, planting or the end result a lot better when those carrots though when they sprout uh, they're very fragile for lack of a better word in part because we plant carrot seeds with very very little soil on top so there's just not much holding them it's not deeper like a potato for example so as they emerge there's not a lot holding them in the ground and therein lies a bit of a challenge, because the carrots can easily be uprooted in the act of the weeding. And because to the untrained eye, some weeds actually look just like a carrot as it's coming up, it's a fine line between keeping it weed-free and not invasively pulling up more carrots as you try to pull the weeds and maybe pulling up carrots when you think you're pulling up weeds. So Jesus says here in the parable, with wheat and weeds, don't try to pull up the weeds, because you'll disturb the wheat. Hmm. In the parable's explanation, Jesus says that the weeds are the people of the evil one in the world, which the field represents, growing with the people of the kingdom named as wheat. The weeds, the people of the evil one, have been planted by an enemy whom Jesus names as the devil, and while currently they grow together, among us around us we within it one day a reckoning will come before both wheat and weeds it's a small parable with an awful lot to unpack actually if we wanted to like for example evil is spoken of what's our definition of evil are we talking about what is evil or let's just say what we understand to be evil because we don't all have the same understandings on what evil is might it be something that we might consider well evil light something which passes is wrong shouldn't be done but kind of blows over after a while like a business person not following through on a promise and hurting someone in the process a friend's betrayal me stealing a chocolate bar when i was younger i came here for confession this morning not too many people know about those things they are very individual Uh, there is no campaigns to right a wrong There's just uh, forgiveness and confession and repentance and saying sorry and those kind of things that are involved. Or is evil that which is much bigger and cruel, like Ukraine being invaded, attacked, as we talked about this morning, residential schools, domestic violence, that which has groups of people speaking against it and trying to right wrongs so that God's healing can take place. Or does this parable actually have nothing to do with evil acts? pointing rather to people who do what's considered evil because they are people of the evil one, as Jesus says. While we sometimes might speak of someone personifying evil, we rarely look around us at those who do what we might consider wrong or bad or evil and call them people of the evil one. We vilify people, but do we really say, you're of the devil? And what of the devil? Jesus speaks of evil as being perpetrated by an evil one. Some of the epistles do as well. But our contemporary sensibilities don't really know what to do with that sometimes. We often make fun of the devil. Think about what uh, the devil or lurking and those kinds of things are, are actually some sort of humorous points at times. Life, we think, is here with what we see and we'd likely say that evil is ours. It's our fault or the other person's fault. It's not brought on by the devil who tempts us all the time or that specifically or directly necessarily. One thing, though, that I don't think we need to unpack or say that we wonder about is that it's quite common and seemingly acceptable knowing for us to know what or who is evil or wrong or bad or not right and what to do about that. I think we could all say probably that we usually seem to know quite well what or who should be weeded out. Otherwise, God's good won't grow. Justice won't occur and people will be hurt. Because it's actually so. And we see the pain of people hurt because of all that's wrong or evil in our world. That makes it hard to trust Jesus' words to leave it all alone until later. Don't try to weed it out. And we're not alone in that wondering about that. Not condoning evil or evil ones who perpetrated it is a scriptural imperative from the Old Testament right through the New. The prophets were often very severe in their critique of that which they saw as injustice, which hurt and destroyed people jesus in the new testament follows suit by naming the pharisees lack of compassion commanding them not to forget to show mercy and justice so this might make Jesus' words here about leave it alone a little bit surprising particularly because in the end jesus does actually give evil its due in the final explanation of the parable like the weeds that will be pulled and burned in a fire in a common field he says All that causes sin and evil, and those who do it, will be thrown into the fire and burned, taken away. Now, that's another theme that's in need of unpacking, too, because while we acknowledge that we want to and should and need to stamp out evil, well, we're not all that convinced that a loving God would go so far as to throw out anyone really in judgment. Final judgment, condemnation. While I'm not going to try to unpack it all this morning, in fact, it would be much better unpacked in a conversation than a monologue, I would like to leave us and to leave myself with two wonderings about the parable that you've heard, parables. First of all, condemnation. We do judge weeds and desire to get rid of them. That's found in parts of the parables that the children told us and Jesus' explanation of them. In them, the weeds, though, are not entirely represented of evil generally, individual acts of evil, as we might name them. Rather, they are people. The weeds are the people of the evil one. Jesus ends by saying that which causes sin, and those who do it are the ones who face God in the end. Now, this isn't necessarily about not taking out the sin. It seems to be about not taking out the sinner from among all that is good. You've possibly heard the expression, love the sinner, but hate the sin. It's been used by people to justify judging certain behavior because, while disapproving of an action, they still love the person. That is, that you can judge while still loving. That expression has also been vilified by those who say that hating the sin usually makes the person feel hated and has been the cause of much suffering as people have felt themselves to be condemned and hated and not loved. You basically can't hate the sin without giving the impression of hating the one who's committing it. Now, while not delving into that expression, so maybe I shouldn't have even used it because now you might be thinking about all the ways you've used it or heard it, Jesus does seem to say that while we might identify evil, In our understanding, we are not given the right to get rid of those who practice it or who we think personify it. In other words, maybe we can judge, but we can't condemn. You've likely said or heard said in any given situation, who am I to judge? I've said that. I get it. You've probably said that. Yet all of us do, don't we? Whether we say that or not, For example, I'm a pastor, an uncomfortable position actually to be in. I just thought of that this week. I sit here, Kyle, we sit up here every week, or others too, talk to all of you, and in some ways what we say often is judgment, or can be perceived to be, even if it's not meant to be. We as a community, we we speak to different issues around us. We make statements, we we put up signs, we we write letters, we say things, we, we do judge. When I'm in conversations, I hear us judging our education system. During COVID, all of us were judging our medical system. Politics don't even get us started. Those who steal my bike, I judge them. Tune in on any coffee shop conversation to get all of this and more, and that also which is personal and aimed at any number of individuals. Much of it, this judging, is often good, I think. After all, if we never had opposing ideas, we'd never arrive at any different places than we already are. Well, and what if God's truth indeed needs to be arrived at in a different way than we are now expressing or experiencing it? If we never judged or talked about oppo- opposing ideas, we'd never be led by God to somewhere where we should be if we're not there. But I imagine that while working through all of our judgments, we also, from time to time, end up judging the people that we feel most responsible for all that's wrong or even evil or isn't working. And beyond judging them, I imagine sometimes we condemn, we we vilify, we we discount them, we, we mock them, we sometimes even hate them. We tear them out. Jesus seems to say that we shouldn't, we can't even do that. Maybe we do have judging rights, but maybe Jesus is saying we don't have the condemning rights. Our courts and judges do. I'm not negating that or them, but we in our everyday living as God's people, living with everyone who has been created by God, whether what they do or are is good or evil, when we do it ourselves, that's a right that we leave with God, as Jesus says at the end of his explanation. As I reflected on that this week in relation to my own life and my own judgments, I found these to be really tough words. Eh, It's difficult to practice, but also extremely life giving and freeing. If it needs doing condemnation, it's God's to do. And I'm not God. I can judge, we do, but we are not to condemn. And then, secondly, And this is where we bring together weeds with mustard seed and yeast and carrot seeds input maybe we need to replace the taking out and pulling with the small sometimes invisible acts of putting in christ-like living which works against the evil around us and those perpetrating it by our judgments while living among that which we perceive to be good and not so much having faith that god's good grows more by putting seeds in the ground and yeast in the dough We living small things into life than by trying to rip out weeds and rip out everything that isn't good. So that instead of the weeds overtaking the wheat, the opposite happens. The good plants overtake that which isn't. A crow, in a drought-stricken season, needed to care for her chicks, half-dead with thirst. She was looking for water, and in her search... She came upon a discarded water pitcher but when she put her beak into it she found that only a little bit of water was left in the bottom and subsequently she could not reach down far enough to get at it. After trying and trying at last she had to give up in despair until a thought came to her. She took a pebble and dropped it into the pitcher and then she took another pebble and she dropped it into the pitcher and she took another pebble and she dropped it into the pitcher. And she took another pebble, and she dropped it into the pitcher. And again she took a pebble, and she dropped it into the pitcher. And finally she took yet another pebble, and she dropped it into the pitcher, until at last, with all the pebbles in the pitcher, the water had risen, and she saw the water near her, and after casting in a few more pebbles, she was able to bring her chicks to life-giving water so that they could quench their thirst and save their lives. Rather than tearing out, what can we put in that will counter the evil and even those who we consider evil, which takes life from us and all of God's people? In our putting in, we will likely even be judging that which is not good, because what we are proposing and doing will appear different and will lead in a different direction than that which we do hope to counter. In terms of specifics, I wasn't sure what to leave with you this morning. I thought I would just say, take home and wonder about that. But as I was sitting there, I thought of a few things. First of all, like I said, if I'd have been on the ball, I would have had Curtis and Chris come up later and talk about the small things that are happening in relation to refugee sponsorship. That's not yelling and screaming about all the ways to end the war, because we can do that, but it's the small ways that we're helping those who are affected by the war and it brings that which is good and i think it does speak against that which is happening sometimes refugees um, are welcomed sometimes they're not welcomed in our communities as they come to settle among us Um, i thought it was uh, really interesting when uh, there was an article in Steinbeck online this week about uh, pat border being used as a mosque for those uh, islamic faith who are moving into our community Ed Neufeld from our congregation who's been part of refugee sponsorship, he was someone who spoke about being uh, there that day um, as they began. And I thought, yeah, relationship building is a small thing. If Ed had not been quoted, no one would have even known that he was there. But people who are in the community and who are new saw him there. And it's a small thing that means something as God's kindness begins to grow And finally, even in terms of the evil that sometimes have been done in relation to indigenous relationships, residential schools, um, there was a time a number of years ago when um, we made a commitment as a congregation that when there were vigils or things happening in Winnipeg, we would go just to be there with people. We weren't going to say anything, we weren't holding up signs, we were just going to be there as participating in the pain that people were feeling. There's probably many other specifics that you can think of. And I'll suggest that you go home and wonder about that yourselves. What has God led you into in the past, small ways to be God's people? What might you see uh, God leading you into in the future? What are you seeing around you that people are doing? In all of it, God give us love for all those with whom we live, particularly for those that we judge the most. And may God's Spirit fill us with many, many small and even invisible ways and ideas which we can practice so as to see God's good reign rise up and take over that which is not good, evil, around us. God help us as we do. Amen.
3: Number 747, we plow the fields and scatter.
0: together. God, we are grateful to gather together. We bring to you our prayers for our church family this morning. We pray for Virginia Fast receiving palliative care at home. We pray for the family and friends of Shirley Joy as we say goodbye to her. We pray for all those we know with health concerns, including Reagan Barkman, Gord Bartel, Vi Brown, Ray Lynn Dick, Laurie Craker, and Matt Regalski. We pray for others we know for whom we carry concerns at this time. We pray for those struggling with the pain and work brought on by the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. And we pray for ourselves as we reflect upon the past week and look forward to the next. Help us to share your love with all those around us. Amen. And please join me now in the offering liturgy liturgy, which will be up on the screen. Lord, you abundantly lavish your love upon us. We, are an for all we, have been given. we want to respond by offering to you from what we have been given. Our money, time and Accept our offering in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.
3: Would you stand for the sending song? It's number 816, Guide My Feet.
0: us this morning fall on fertile soil. May they take root in our hearts and lives and produce an abundant harvest of good words and deeds. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our teacher and our Lord. Amen.